Holy Gospel is written in the 15th chapter of the Gospel according to St. John, beginning at the 26th verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. There's an apocryphal story that's often told of a businessman who was not only very successful in business, but could choose his staff very well. And he had a particularly efficient secretary who carried out all of her duties very well and also helped him write his speeches. In fact, it got to the stage where she was writing almost a complete speech. And he just needed to pick up the folder, sometimes not even read it, because he could deliver it and bask in the glory of all the applause. And this became a regular routine, but he never gave any credit at all to his secretary. Well, one day she decided to teach him a lesson. He was talking to a group of top economists. And for six pages of his speech, which he just picked up without reading, he tried to diagnose what are the roots of the economic crisis. And his audience were on the edge of their seat because he said, don't despair, here are seven good reasons why the situation can be turned around. And when he turned the page, it was blank, except for this message from his secretary, you're on your own now. And I often wonder if the disciples, when they saw Jesus ascending into heaven, had that feeling, now we're on our own. What happens next? In their case, they went to that upper room where they had been with Jesus on Monday, Thursday, and celebrated the Last Supper, and had heard his remarkable discourse on how they should face the future, face the future with confidence, but being aware of the trials and difficulties they are bound to face. And some of them were puzzled by what he was saying. J.B. Phillips translates one of his uh, promises as this, in a little while you will not see me any longer, and again in a little while you will see me. And some of them were puzzled and they asked him questions and he elaborated on it. And he gave them a promise that they would gain a new power 
that will enable them to proclaim his message and live out the future effectively. This new power would come from an advocate or a comforter or a helper. All of these qualities combined in, of course, the Holy Spirit. But at the moment, they were waiting. And this Sunday, of course, we will celebrate Pentecost and we'll see how that promise was delivered. But the story of the Ascension is always an interesting one. I used to be involved in the world of education and very often had to attend school assemblies. And some of the speakers we had clearly had difficulty in communicating with the children. But there was one Anglican clergyman who used to come from time to time who had a real gift to grab their attention, to hold their attention, and to explain in a way they hopefully would understand what the great truths of the Christian message were. And one day I actually wrote down how he tried to explain to these children something of the ascension, and this is what he said. Imagine someone in your town, village, or school who all at once, be, who, who celebrate all at once because somebody who's world famous and has achieved something special is going to be with them. Reporters, sightseers, and visitors swarm into the area and life in that town comes to a standstill. Then the BBC comes to the rescue and our hero is whisked away by helicopter to the television studios. We who were present might feel cheated. We had come to see this great man, but now he'd been snatched from us. But I think we would understand if that night he appeared on television to speak to the whole nation and even via the internet to the whole world. He had been taken back from the few that he might be given back to the many. In a way, there's a picture of what happened to Jesus. On Ascension Day, he was taken from the few, and on the day of Pentecost, he was given back in the person of his Holy Spirit so that everyone, everywhere, and always might switch onto him and enjoy his presence and power as really as if he were physically present. And he finished with a little prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you are not only alive, but still around in the world and able to help all who trust you. A promise was made to those early disciples. They waited. The promise was delivered. But it didn't stop there. For that promise applies to the disciples today, followers of Jesus like you and me. And when we take that message seriously, we too can glory and benefit in that presence of the Holy Spirit and all the things that can come through that trust. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. He draws us to God's message of salvation and our restless hearts
can rest in him. He can help us remake our life. So it produces some of the fruits of the Spirit, things like love and joy and peace. It takes time, it's a gradual process, but the Spirit is at work. He can make us useful to our church and to this world, to other people, as some of the gifts that are within us are brought to the surface, very often different gifts. Some have the gift of teaching or preaching. Others have that gift of helping people and encouraging them. The list is very long and varied, but very valuable. And in a church like ours, and in other churches throughout the land, he can bring Christians together in fellowship and unity. It's marvelous, isn't it, that Jesus is alive and his spirit is with us. So just like those early disciples in a few moments, we too will gather around his table and be reminded with the bread and the wine of the great sacrifice he made, but also be reassured of his promise of power to witness, to illuminate our Christian understanding and to share that message. It's a wonderful promise, but it's not just a promise, it's a reality. And as we kneel down to receive the bread and wine, prayer is that each one of us will have that new feeling of power and strength to help us on our Christian journey. Amen.